shot of JD. I just want you to think of me as your own personal Roman candle. I love the smell of commerce in the morning. Ah, shucky ducky on a shucky ducky kind of day. I don't need no warm up. I've been smoking and drinking. I feel real good about myself. Got my fingers crossed for a little freaky dinky. Hello, sick people and their loved ones. Please listen carefully. Welcome to the Shot of JD Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Doyle. Kind of regional uh, radio guy that's trying to do some podcasting and stuff like that. Uh, We are recording this podcast uh, June 25th, uh, 2020. And uh, it's kind of interesting how this show kind of just all came together. It's been a sporadic launch to the Shot of JD podcast. Uh, It's been uh, since before the COVID pandemic. I've actually got a show in the works to kind of go over some of the stuff I was going to do before the pandemic hit and changed everything and work patterns and all that kind of good stuff. Anyway, I'm kind of, uh, I, I've been a talk show host. I've been, a, uh, I'm a journalist. I work in uh, television right now. I do a little writing here and there, uh, that type of stuff. So if you've, uh, if you're listening to the shot of JD podcast, you've probably heard me or seen me or, or read me somewhere. So uh, otherwise, I can't believe you stumbled onto this. I am so glad you did, and uh, welcome to my little world here. This is just a uh, relatively po- uh, a politically free zone, uh, simply because I work in politics and I don't want to show any bias one way or another. Uh, uh, but every once in a while, we'll kind of dabble a little bit in politics when we're really doing a kind of an analytical thing and seeing how things are and all that. I say that because... Uh, this has got a little bit of, uh, today's topic has got a little bit of, uh, a, um, a political tone to it a little bit. It's a little bit because it all started with a, a people's movement <clears throat> about two years ago. And then actually what happened, let me, let me rewind earlier this week, uh, the Oklahoma Supreme court made a decision on one of the state questions that are being proposed and, uh, is going to allow signatures to go forward that that's uh, state question 807 here in Oklahoma. So this is going to be a very Oklahoma type centric podcast. Also, it's also going to be about cannabis, marijuana, pot. It's going to be about that type of stuff because two years ago this weekend marks the anniversary of when voters legalized medical marijuana in Oklahoma through state question 788. So that's been two years ago. I've been following this as a journalist for more than two years. Uh, I remember when the announcement was made to gather uh, initiative petitions for state question 788. I was around then. So it's been about a three, three and a half year ordeal for me to follow this going from an illicit business to what's now called a necessary business in the age of COVID. So it's a very interesting business to watch and an industry to watch to what happens. So this is kind of having a little bit of fun with it because it's the two year anniversary. And because it looks like uh, the state of Oklahoma will be, it could be, they've got to get about 180,000 signatures uh, for uh, this is going to be recreational marijuana or uh, all access marijuana type stuff. 
Uh, it means that there won't be a medical program per se. I think there's something else in there that also says that it uh, would uh, take uh, former sentences and reduce them down to misdemeanors, just like the law, just automatically uh, for past uh, offenses. So it's it's going to be one of those shows where you can expect uh, a lot of talk about marijuana today. And it's uh, it's going to be fun. Uh, first of all, uh, in Oklahoma City, uh, coming up uh, this weekend, which is uh, June 27th and 28th uh, at the State Fairgrounds, the Green Grow Expo is going to be there. They're celebrating the two-year anniversary. They're calling it a anniversary. And we're going to talk to uh, Green Grow Expo's Albany Anderson about that and <laughs> we got to do it in kind of a funny way uh and i'll explain that when we get to that uh to that interview also uh a cannabis activist i've got him on the show tonight uh that is uncle grumpy chris mo uh we'll have a, a very in-depth conversation about the history and how we got here in the last two years and where we're at and what's uh what's ahead for oklahoma cannabis laws and so i i think this is going to be a fun show i mean I've been, like I said, I've been following this. I, it's been fascinating to me to watch something come from, uh, you know, it was illegal just two years ago. And now suddenly it is a business. It's a viable business in Oklahoma. And, uh, you know, you can't help but see the green crosses everywhere you go or the, the you know what's going on. And it's just a fascinating thing. And it's amazing the diversity of people that have taken uh, part in this program here in Oklahoma. So I, I just find it fascinating. It's one of those fascinating things. And I really, really hope you don't mind that uh, uh, the theme of the show this time. Marijuana hot sauce. Yeah, that's pretty much it there. So uh, let's uh, move on to our interview. Now, here's the thing. I, I In the rush of doing things, uh, sometimes mistakes are made. And I made a mistake in recording this interview. I kind of pre-pro my interviews and, and try to get them in and all this kind of good stuff. So uh, I talked to Albany Anderson uh, from Green Grow Expo. And unfortunately, my audio did not record because I was using a different type of recording method than I'm used to. I didn't have a chance to double check things. And so I just got Albany's uh, end of the conversation recorded. So this is more of a reenactment, <laughs> a reenactment of the interview with Albany Anderson with Green Grow Expo. So it started off very, very much like a standard interview. It said, hey, you know, Albany, uh, thanks for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. So it was like that. And and then I got into the questions and, you know, I said, uh, you know, let's talk a little bit about the Green Grow Expo. You know, what's the history? You guys have been around for a while, right? Yes, yes, we sure did. So we actually started back in October of 2000 and I want to say 17 as kind of when we started developing um, uh, 2018. I'm so sorry. My time gets confused. <laughs> um, and we had our first show back in March of 2019, um, where we launched Green Grow Expo. It was a huge success. It was actually at the Oklahoma State Fair Park. Our original show was. So we're bringing it back this weekend, um, back to our home base. And since then, we've had a show in Lawton, Oklahoma, Tulsa, and now we're back in Oklahoma City. And we are more excited than ever to celebrate uh, the second annual anniversary. And so if somebody's just curious about the cannabis industry, wants to learn some stuff, maybe want to get into the business side or possibly thinking about a patient, what, what can they learn? Yeah, no. Um, so this year, 
we planned on, I mean, obviously our original plan was a little bit different than how we're having to modify some things, but overall we're expecting about a hundred different exhibitors from across the state as well as the nation. Um, we're going to have some awesome educational classes um, with, you know, speaking about commercial growing, um, ancillary lawyers, um, some state senators are going to be there talking um, in an awesome panel. It's going to be an interactive Q&A panel asking about legislative updates in regards to what's happening with medical cannabis in the state. Um, it's going to be the best ne networking event in the state currently for cannabis. Um, if you're looking to get involved or just cannabis, you know, curious about cannabis is like is what we like to say. Um, as well as we're going to have a pre-party tomorrow night. Um, at Margarita Island, we're going to have some awesome infused hemp-infused food options, and uh, a bar, um, you know, giveaways, tons of really fun stuff to pop off the weekend. Um, and yeah, it's going to be a good time. So, uh, tell me a little bit more how I can find out more about this uh, this Green Grow Expo. It's the uh, I think it's June twenty sixth and uh, excuse me, June twenty seventh and June twenty eighth. And this is her answer. Absolutely, we have an awesome. Um, you know, class schedule that we're, we're, uh, we're launching this weekend. It's, we always focus on education and cannabis education. That's key for people that are cannabis curious. Um, so we're going to have, um, speakers talking about how to cook with, how to cook with cannabis. If you are a patient, um, how to start a commercial grow as well as a home grow, um, what to expect in the next two to five years if you do own a cannabis business um, and just a plethora of other awesome educational classes if you're looking to either get involved in the industry or if you're just a patient that's wanting to use cannabis in a very mindful and uh, safe way so and so uh how do i find out about go getting into the big show this weekend Yep. So it's a uh, greengrowexpo.com and tickets actually are free. So it's free general admission. I should have mentioned that right from the beginning. Um, whereas in the past we've definitely charged for tickets, but this time we just wanted to get the community as heavily involved as possible. So if you guys go to our website, you can actually register your ticket straight from the homepage. Um, click get tickets now. Uh, if you guys are looking to do educational classes, those are going to be our all access passes, which are going to get you into the Friday night, uh, pre-party as well as the educational classes on Saturday and Sunday and you can also find those on our website as well. Alright so uh, we are at the two year anniversary of State Qu uh, Question 788 uh, getting passed uh, uh, Green Grow Expo is calling it the anniversary. so uh, what are your thoughts on the Oklahoma cannabis industry since State Question 788 got passed? Yeah so um, not only has this amazing industry created a very you know, playing uh, playing field for a level playing field for everyone, um, and that's including you know it's it's a diverse industry. You have women-owned uh, dispensaries. You know, you have um, just a plethora of different ways to be able to get involved at a very low cost, which I'm a lot of people are extremely happy about. Um, patients are now able to get legal access to their medicine, and that, that to me is the most important thing because. Before people are having to drive to Colorado or drive to California, and their you know their daughters are having seizures every day, and now that we're able to actually get this medicine into people's hands, it's it's been extremely life changing for a lot of people, um, and not only for patients but also for the economy. I mean, you're having people driving up and down the interstate, going and paying their toll fees and renting out old businesses and uh, creating thousands and thousands of jobs for people as bud tenders and trimmers and growers and 
um, getting people extremely invested in it and it's boosting the economy. I mean, we did in May $61 million in medical marijuana sales. Like it's amazing how much it's done for this economy. And although I definitely think that there are some um, different things that could be better, we're only two years into it and we're, you know, excelling everybody's expectations across the nation. Um, and going back on the safe legal access of things, we ran a um, kind of not a nonprofit, but we did a social media campaign called Oakle 57, where we really focused on patients and how cannabis has affected patients in a positive way. And one story that got me extremely excited about what I do was listening to a woman that had stage four cancer that had spread to her brain and she had two young kids at the time and she had tried absolutely everything, chemo and surgeries and radiation and fentanyl patches for her pain. And she started taking RSO, which is an extremely concentrated version of THC. And I'm not kidding you, you can find this on YouTube <laughs> um, or from our page, I think we shared in our videos, but she's now cancer free because of what THC has provided for her and her body and just how her endocannabinoid system took that in and the THC and the different, um, you know, parts of what the plant has provided for her and healed her. And it brought absolute tears to my eyes because just knowing that this is a medical plant, this is meant for medicine, is just such a beautiful thing. Um, but other than that, um, I'm within the industry. I definitely think that there needs to be a need for a collective representation for this industry. So a lot of other industries have trade associations. Um, and there's a specific one that we are actually um, a part of. I shouldn't really be saying this, but what we're launching it this weekend, it's called OK Approved for You. Um, and what they're going to do is actually provide this representation for the state um, and more. And they're going to be launching it at Green Grow Expo this weekend. So we're super excited about it. <laughs> so breaking a little bit of news here on the Shot of JD podcast, uh, a new program being launched uh, there at Green Grow Expo. Of course, this is uh, uh, happening this coming up weekend. So if you're listening to it as this is a fresh podcast, uh, we're recording this on June 25th. And uh, so this the June 27th and June 28th of 2020. That's uh, that's uh, the Green Grow Expo. And I uh, got to thank Albany Anderson of Green Grow Expo for joining us. And of course, this is how she ended our call. Thank you so much. I appreciate your time. See, so sweet, so nice. I like those folks. Uh, so coming up next, I love this interview. This was such a fun interview to do. Uh, uh, this is a, uh, a person that... I got to meet because of state question 788 in my uh, in my work and in, in covering the story as it uh, developed here in Oklahoma. Of course, there were activists and one of the activists that caught my attention uh, took the moniker of Uncle Grumpy. And this is our conversation today. Hope you enjoy. And joining us on the Shot of JD podcast is my friend Chris Moe, but around these parts of Oklahoma, especially with the uh, cannabis community, he's known as Uncle Grumpy. Grumpy. Uncle Grumpy, Chris Moe, thanks for joining us here on the Shot of JD podcast. Well, Jason, it's good to see you. Thank you for having me on. Uh, so here in Oklahoma, we're getting ready to come up on our second anniversary of the state question 788 vote. And for anybody outside of Oklahoma that hasn't heard, Oklahoma went medical marijuana at that point in time. That was our medical marijuana question. It put into statute our medical marijuana program, and it passed by 57% of the vote, which shocked a lot of analysts. They thought this was, if it was going to pass, it was going to squeak by, but more than likely, it's going to be like the other efforts in the past and didn't. So all of a sudden, bam, the state of, uh, state of Oklahoma had to set up 
its medical marijuana program and really couldn't do too much about it. Now they tried, but you know, looking back, what do you think about the development over the last two years since the voters decided to put the program in place? Well, I think it's important to point out what you just said. They tried. At the beginning of this, they tried to outlaw or tried to eliminate the use of flour. They tried to have a pharmacist in every dispensary. Uh, they had two pages of things. They wanted to set the hours. They wanted to do all kinds of stuff. So uh, what has happened is the no on 788 people didn't think it was going to pass, and it did. So when it did, they've started working through the health department, which was, they were controlling at that time. And uh, they started doing everything they could to sabotage this program. And it's been a struggle and a fight ever since then. I, I heard someone uh, talking about it yesterday saying they can't think of anything good that's passed since 788 that's come out of the legislature. Well, 788 didn't come out of the legislature. So to the effect of cannabis, nothing good has still come out of the legislature other than working out some of the details of 788. And that's, uh, that's basically what they did with the unity bill in the, uh, actually, uh, two, it's about two years ago now, two, uh, at least two sessions ago. And that seems like so long ago, but uh, they did something that, they had, that had very rarely been done. They did an interim study with what they called it the bicameral committee, but we called it the joint committee. It's when the House and Senate got together and they talked marijuana. And it was, and I was there for every single one of those meetings as a journalist, and it was amazing the plethora of information that the citizens of Oklahoma, that our, our cannabis supporters, were willing and ready to get up there, and it butted against every point that somebody that wanted to overregulate or perhaps even find ways to you know, regulate it back out of existence, uh, it seemed like those activists were right there with valid information, and it to my eye, it seemed like overall in the political process, that won the day. Yeah, it did. And it's because we were all going at it from the perspective of patience. We were conscious of what we were doing. We were conscious of how we represented ourselves. And we were making it clear to them that this was keeping some of us alive and that uh, we were tired of, of being in the closet and we, we needed to, to be able to come out and have the same rights as everybody else. We need to be able to buy this legally in the state. Now, unfortunately, that isn't the way it's played out. Unfortunately, they have not only through the attempts at the health department, which were fought back, uh, but through the legislator, through that unity bill you were talking about. And I was one of the people that helped work on the unity bill. I can tell you that uh, I stopped calling it the unity bill the day that it came out because what we wrote changed uh, the last times it was changed was, which happens on almost all bills, okay? But it changed 72 hours before it went on the floor and then 24 hours before it went on the floor. And both, and those changes weren't good. They did things like eliminated uh, uh, patient protections, employment protections, things like that. So um, there was some major issues. So I stopped calling it the unity bill after that because what this was was a negotiation between the House and the Senate. We had the House ready to do it the way we needed it done, and the Senate was not going to have it that way. The Senate has remained the body we've had the most trouble with. <coughs> Excuse me. And that, that's interesting because as a political observer, I've seen that happen in so many different ways, so many different times. 
uh, that where you've got a lot of momentum for a uh, uh, for a uh, an issue. Uh, for example, it was the uh, cost of living wage uh, uh, raises for the retirement system, the retirees, state of re retirees. The House passed it. The Senate rejected it last session, that same session that the that was going on there. And so it's very interesting that you bring up that process that happens, those last minute changes. And, and I think as somebody that, that loves this political process and loves to watch businesses and, and industry grow and how they develop uh, as that kind of observer, I really find it interesting that that process is kind of imprinted. No matter what the issue is, whether it be marijuana or retirement, you find that the people have to watch what their elected officials do while they're in session. Right. And in most cases, I, I want to point this out. In most cases, it's they're doing what the lobbyists, which might be just average people, they're doing what they're asking them to do. Um, it's not always consistent. It's, it's not always right. It's certainly not always constitutional. But they're trying to do, in most cases, what they think that the people they're representing want them to do. Uh, it's different with the House and the Senate because the House they have to rerun every two years. They're very responsive to the people. It's very easy to get in and see them. It's very easy to get their cell phone number, everything else. Well, our Senate is in office for four years. Well, our memory isn't that long. So therefore, they're not as responsive. It's not as easy to get their cell phone numbers and things like that. And I can tell you on a personal level, it was my goal this year to spend some time making those relationships in the Senate, because that is where the cannabis community has been lacking uh, the good relationships. I think we have the House fairly well on our side with most issues. At the very least, they're always willing to sit down with us and talk about it. And as you've said, we always come to the table with good information, but we haven't been able to get those same meetings with senators because as I like to tell people, I thought like everybody else at one time that the, that the capital was run on corruption and money. Well, there's always money in it because people have to get elected, but it's not corruption. It's relationships. Now I'm sure there's some corruption here and there. I can tell you, I've never seen any or even remotely seen any. I've seen a lot of politicians I disagree with, but I've never seen the terrible things that we think of our politicians the more time I spend in there, the more I realize these are just people and it's relationships that will get this done. And that's why I made it my goal to try and get to know some senators. I've become really good friends with some of the senators since then. Unfortunately, um, they're older than the House members. So when the virus happened and the Capitol was shut down, I was there till the day it was shut down. And then I was there the day it opened back up to the public, but the Senate did not return. I mean, at least not the majority, very few did. I spoke to a few of them in the building, but it's been limited more to phone calls and things like that, which is harder. Now, as I like to tell people, we're at that point with the cannabis industry and the cannabis community where we're getting as, almost as far as we can get on relationships. It is going to start taking some money. It's campaign money. It's campaign work. Because if they're not in office, they can't do what we would like them to do. So, you know, we're, we're at about that point now. And, and I'm, I'm still working with some senators. I spoke to one uh, two times today, uh, a different one yesterday. So I think next year the, um, the Senate will not be, seem so uh, foreign to us. It will not seem so distant. 
I have to say this, and by the way, uh, on the, here on the Shot of JD podcast, we're talking to my friend Chris Moe, known in uh, cannabis activist circles as Uncle Grumpy here in Oklahoma. And uh, I have to say this. This is something that's been really, really impressive to me. I've seen a lot of people come to the Capitol. I've seen a lot of protests. I've seen a lot of action happen over the years to, to the state capital of Oklahoma. And one of the things that I've been so impressed with you is how you've developed your ability to become uh, locked in and get engaged and understand how the process works. You came in from outside as an activist, and you've now become a fixture at the Capitol. And it's just so impressed, impressive to me, and I don't care what issue it is. I mean, as a political observer, the, it has been wonderful to watch you develop uh, an effective message on behalf of the cannabis community in Oklahoma. Well, thank you. I, I appreciate that. Look, I, I still get calls on a daily basis from sick people who can't get the medicine they need, who need help with all sorts of things. And as long as I get those calls, I'm going to keep going down there. Uh, this year, I did end up registering as a lobbyist. Um, my, my work down there has pretty much become full time at this point. Uh, again, it is relationships to get things done. And I do believe that the community as a whole, if we could unite a little bit, um, we would find that, as I did, that there's a manual, there's a book, an instruction book to the Capitol. And if you just read the instruction book, you can get done just about anything you can do. Now, granted, it's like Ikea furniture. It's complicated. You may need a couple of tools, and you might even break a nail or two trying to get it done. But if you read the manual, anybody can do it. And one of the things I've enjoyed most is when people uh, from the cannabis community have come down there to give a couple hours and ask me to show them around. And that, that's been wonderful to show them how it works because they walk in there thinking the same thing as me. And I got to give all credit to Norma Sapp. She's been doing this uh, 30 years now. And when I first met her, when I went to the Capitol and she was showing me around, a senator walked by. It was Senator Yen. He's no longer in office. Um, and he was, he wanted 1120, a, a bill, a Senate bill that was going to regulate can, uh, 788 to like five or six deathbed conditions. And he walked by and, and I said, oh boy, I wish I could go talk to him. And I, I just, I it was just, he, the way he walked by, I just felt like he was untouchable just the way he did it. And I had never been in this building. I was intimidated. And Norma looked at me with this look and just kind of turned her head and said, why not? He works for us. And I don't know what it was, but a light bulb just went off in my head. And I thought to myself, if this little hundred and hundred pound lady can do this for 30 years, I cannot be intimidated by this one guy. And from that moment on, it did not matter the office or the person. I've had no issue with walking in and telling them uh, what I think, uh, sometimes a little too much. <laughs> well, uh, let's fast forward to this year because this year was nuts. Uh, as you know, the uh, COVID pandemic hit and changed the things that uh, we do every day. We were in the middle of a legislative session and uh, there was uh, – uh, House Bill 32... 28. 28. I see it was either 28 or 24. Numbers always mess me up. So 32, uh, 28 was going to be the bill that 
address some issues. And of course, it, it got vetoed uh, by the governor. He said, wait a second, there was, just as you cited about the unity bill, there was some last minute things he didn't like that needed to be discussed. Uh, what do you think about the process this year? I mean, this year was certainly unusual when it comes to legislative standards because of the way we had to approach the legislative session uh, late in the session and, and the priority became the budget and policy kind of got pushed to the side. Well, it's unfortunate. Uh, yeah, we had a number of bills. Everything that was in 3228, or at least almost everything, was in its own bill. I was personally pushing 3227 and 3229, one being the delivery bill, and one being a bill that would remove the residency requirement from the patient card. Not from the business license, but from the patient card. And because of the virus, um, basically, we were told everything had to be combined into one bill. Well, 3228 was a, was a bill that the OMMA had requested. So uh, the, they decided to put everything into 3228 and run it as, as a, an omnibus bill, basically. Now, I don't know of any other industry that had to do that this year, but I also didn't look into it. So maybe there was. <clears throat> but the unfortunate part was every one of those bills that went in there had already passed the house. There was no new language in there. Every one of them had a Senate author. I personally had gotten Senate authors on two of them, like I just said. So they all had Senate support. They were being assigned to committees. That was the day that the virus shut everything down. So the governor saying that they didn't get to go through the normal process. Yes, that's true. Um, and because they, they didn't get to do the committees, but other bills were able to work through these committees with their video conferences. Because again, the Senate, unlike the House, didn't come back in as often. So they could have worked through some of this through committee. So I felt like the governor's response was unfortunate, an unfortunate excuse. Uh, rumor has it he didn't like delivery. I, I, I can't fathom why that is. Because delivery does, uh, it does a few things. One is those that are having tremors or panic attacks or anything else that need their medication can get it delivered. And they don't, we don't have to worry about them getting behind the car and wrecking on their way to the store. Um, and, you know, if they're worried that a bunch of 20-year-olds might be sitting around playing video games, smoking, and get a bunch delivered. Well, hey, guess what? If they're all card holders, that's legal. Would you not rather them have that delivered to them, to that house full of 20-year-olds, than have that them get out and race to the dispensary to get their medicine? I think delivery, uh, I think the excuse of delivery was a very poor one, especially right after pushing forward a bill that made alcohol delivery permanent it was really a slap in the face so i'm i'm not understanding what the governor was thinking now the hopes was it might get worked through in a special session it doesn't look like that's going to happen uh, i think some lawsuits have now been filed uh, what that will do is just put a freeze on the bad effects that were going to happen since 3228 was vetoed uh, which would be businesses losing their licenses um, it will put a freeze on that stuff until next year, allowing the legislature to work it out next year. But again, if delivery was the reason for this, that's not a good reason because delivery is one of the things we need 
and many other states have it already. It's really a good option. It's, it's, you would think that we would encourage that. But for some reason, the, the rumor is that that's, that was his issue. So what do you think is going to happen next? I mean, I know, I know there's a lot of uncertainty with, uh, with COVID in the air. And until we get a vaccine, we can't really get back to normal. But what do you think this next legislative session will hold for cannabis legislation? Uh, I think it's going to be a big one. I think that we're going to take a look at the program as it is and see possibly how it could be expanded. I think the state needs to take a hard look at cannabis as um, a, a larger part of their revenue and not from cardholders, not from patients. That's the thing. People brag about the the 300 million or whatever the number is that the program has brought in so far this year. I don't think that's something to brag about because most of that's taxes on, or the part of that that's taxes is taxes on patients. Now, unfortunately, our program is so open, we have everybody in the program. So maybe some paying the taxes isn't that big of a deal, but for some of us, it, it, it is a big deal. So next year, uh, I, I think we should try and push for further access. Maybe, I don't know if we get rid of the card and uh, do the program differently or if we just, um, I don't know. We've got so many doctors now that are currently still saying no to the program. Maybe we can give some of them an option, a way they can get into the program. Uh, Dr. Pashnak, someone I work with, has put up the idea of giving doctors, a uh, some doctors, an option on the card that they could limit what you purchase uh, or you could only have edibles or only whatever that doctor, particular doctor wants. Um, those might be things that might help the medical program be more medical. Now, because of the program we have now, we can't do that unless we first bring in full access because we can't take the joint out of anyone's mouth. So what, what next year could bring is really up in the air. Um, it could bring another petition. Now, if it brings another petition, that could only go forward next year if it's in a special election. I don't see this governor calling a special election under any circumstances for cannabis. But as I was saying, the budget, recreational or full access cannabis in this state, could, could stop what I've seen happen so many times in my adult life here. Oil prices tank. Our state suffers. Our budget suffers right away. But then we don't start to do well until a year or two or sometime after the rest of the country can afford to vacation again. When they can start to start to travel and do everything else, when they're all doing fine, then oil prices start to come back up. And then our state starts to do good again. If we had full access, we've got so many people in Texas right now that would rush across that line, we could replace, uh, right now we're 1.2 million short, I think over a two year period. Um, I would venture to say that 25 to 30% of that could be replaced in the first year with a full access program. So what does next year bring? Boy, I don't know yet, but it could be big. Uh, some of the rumors swirling around on Capitol Hill uh, in DC, 
that uh, Congress may take it up next year after the elections. This year, it became a hot-button issue. In fact, it looked like it had some momentum as far as uh, you know, giving some relief to veterans uh, through the VA and setting that, and maybe even getting some banking issues done. But then, of course, it stalled as, as, as the impeachment, it started getting entangled with impeachment, and therefore, the effort kind of stalled. And then, of course, COVID uh, shows up, and we've got a whole other distraction, and Congress is not going to pay attention to something like that. But it looks like, by all indications, if, uh, if certain people win re-election this year, this could be something that the federal government takes up. Now, I know there's two ways right now that we've got. One I don't think will happen with the president deciding to sign the executive order to go ahead and change the scheduling of marijuana, uh, but it does look like we might have a Congress that could be friendly toward cannabis issues on the federal level. What would that do to the atmosphere? Would it put Oklahoma as a competitor, either in the medical field or if we go to full access to the full access recreational field? See, the things you're talking about are exactly why it is I'm out every single day talking about full access. Oklahoma has an opportunity to get ahead of all the other states around us. And if we can do that, we can set ourselves up uh, as the next Colorado. We all see the new schools and everything else they have there. We all know that we all hear about the money, the tax money they bring in. All the states around them now have full access or at least a good medical program or a medical program. So why are they still making so much money? Not from the residents. They become a tourist place. Even the people of Oklahoma, you want to know what's new in cannabis? Go to Colorado. Well, if we could bring full access here within the next 12 months or so, then if the federal government does anything, uh, or until the federal government does anything, we've got other states traveling here. And then when the federal government does anything and it rolls out, we'll again have already been ahead of the game, so we'll continue to be a destination. So it's, it's really time sensitive that Oklahoma move forward on this quickly. Now, I, I want to address something. I don't, I don't put any stock in what Washington might do because – we have a president now who said he was for it, for it, or at least for medical. But then, um, what was his name? I can't remember his name right now. The most anti-cannabis uh, person he could have put as attorney general. Who was that? Is it William Barr? Or oh, uh, uh, oh, 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 uh, give it a minute. Beauregard. Um, yes, yes. Uh, you know who I'm referring why to. Why can't I think of his real name? I'm, I'm sure I'm sure everybody out there listening probably knows his name right now, but sorry, it's slipping my mind. But he makes him the uh, attorney general, and he does absolutely nothing but spread more reefer madness. I watched him give speeches where he said ridiculous things. So, um, and, and even since he's been gone, this president still has done zero. We see these stories leaked out all the time. They don't mean anything. And what is he going to do? Would it be a state's rights issue? Well, if that's what he does, which Republicans are more likely to do, then again, we need to push forward so we can be set up first. Uh, if he go, if he deschedules again, whatever the case is, we need, we need to push forward quick. If Biden gets an office, well, I haven't seen Biden say anything positive about cannabis. So who knows now, as long as Mitch McConnell is still in the Senate, I don't think it's going anywhere. 
You suggest maybe we have a cannabis-friendly Congress. That means Mitch McConnell's gone, or at least not in charge anymore. So you're talking about the Senate flipping. That is a possibility. I had this conversation yesterday. That is a possibility. So there's so many variables there, and I don't personally know any of those people like <laughs> I do here in Oklahoma. So I just don't worry about that. I just keep pushing forward with what I think will set us up in the best possible light, no matter what they decide to do. Chris Moe, Uncle Grumpy, tell us, for those that don't know about Uncle Grumpy, that actually is it actually stands for something. Yeah, it does. Grumpy stands for Government Refusal United Many People to Say Yes. We all had to get grumpy to pass 788. Uh, I think it was Connie Johnson tried to put forward the first cannabis bill in Oklahoma in about 2004. The government said no. Government refusal united everybody, united many people to say yes. United 500 and, uh, 507,000 or whatever the number was, people to say yes. Now, I do want to address that, though, because that 57% number that is thrown around, we need to evaluate that number for a second. It was 57% of the people that voted on that issue that day. I hear it said all the time, 57% of the people of Oklahoma wanted this. Unfortunately, that's not the case. We don't know the number of Oklahoma people that want them, but 57% of the people that voted on that one issue that one day were willing to vote yes. I think that's a, a, a distinction that is important because we're at the Capitol demanding things, but we're demanding things from people who aren't necessarily people that are on our side, nor do we control. And we don't have a big enough stick to stop waving carrots. We're not at that point. We're just not. That's why I keep saying it, it can be done with, it has to be done with relationships because we don't have the stick. We can't rally. The 507,000, the 57% has yet to show unity in any one thing beyond that. Even the next November election, just a few months later, we elected more people to say no. So what are we doing? You know, it, it, it could be a crazy year. Well, and, that, and it's one of the reasons why that I encourage people to study up, vote. I mean, I don't care how you vote, just vote. I mean, because you got to have your voice heard. And if you don't participate, I don't think you should be bitching. Yeah. But that's me. That's my opinion. And yeah. hey, you can gripe and moan all you want anyway and all that kind of good stuff. But I want to say thank you so much for celebrating the second anniversary of State Question 788 being approved here in Oklahoma on the Shot of JD podcast. I really appreciate you taking your time out for us and, and discussing these issues in such a great way. Uh, I could listen to you talk all day, man. Well, thank you for having me on. I want to say one more thing, this being the second anniversary. This has saved a lot of people's lives. I know people that are alive now that wouldn't be had it not passed, myself included. Um, unfortunately, I know a lot of people that didn't make it too and a lot of people that are still suffering and dying right now. So we need to push for full access in this state until anybody and everybody that wants to try cannabis in Oklahoma can, our fight isn't over. But I wanna thank you for having me on, I appreciate it. And I would ask that if you could tell everybody to go to the uh, Oklahoma Cannabis Liberty Alliance page, which is okcla.org. Okcla.org is where you can go check out uh check out uh my my friend chris mo uncle grumpy's 
uh, and that's the organization you did you help co-found or yes yeah I'm I'm the uh, interim director yeah myself and Dr. Lawrence Pasternak and Norma Sapp oh wow that's some that's some great names there uh, at the top and I really appreciate you taking time and and uh, talking to us through the issues and looking at looking back and looking forward all right well thank you very much and that's uh, once again uh, Uncle Grumpy, uh, better known as Chris Mo, or his real name is Chris Mo. Mo. Really appreciate it. And and I'm serious. Watching him develop as a as an advocate, uh, an effective advocate, getting audience with legislators. It's been it's been wonderful to watch. And I know I've got a bird's eye view because I I mean I'm there at the Capitol or I I'm I'm around the Capitol at times uh, with my job uh, being a journalist and stuff, but. Man, it's just, for me, there's something romantic about our civic duty and how we can go about it. It's, uh, and it doesn't matter the issue. I really don't care what the issues are. I just love people learning how the system works and making the system work for them. And uh, so that's that's uh, one of the reasons why I really have a lot of respect for Chris. And I really appreciate him taking the time out to join us here on this uh, little humble uh, podcast, the Shot of JD podcast. And uh, really thank you for joining it. By the way, our earlier interview uh, with uh, Albany Anderson over at Green Grow Expo, there was one thing I, I kind of uh, left out. And I want to make sure I add it here because we are in the age of COVID. So uh, things are different. This is one of the first trade shows to actually start opening up since the the, uh, since Oklahoma City started opening up. So there's some concern and justified. So uh, they're going to have sanitized, uh, sanitized stations. There's going to be masks available to purchase. Uh, they're going to have uh, social distancing. There's going to be a lot of sanitation going on, a lot of those protocol protocols. Uh, there'll be temperature checks and things like that. So if you have any intrepidation, of course, you know, stay safe. Everybody wants you to stay safe, but go ahead and, and check out the uh, Green Grow Expo. Uh, that's going to happen. Uh, we're recording this on uh, June 25th. That happens on June June 27th and 28th, GreenGrowExpo.com, and uh, really appreciate them uh, uh, joining us here on the podcast too. Man, how could people get in touch with you if they want to, you know, reach out to you via technology? I'm on Twitter. Yep, I'm on Twitter. You can uh, get me at Jason Doyle. Of course, our email address here at the podcast is shotofjdpodcast at gmail.com. If you got any comments, any suggestions, uh, hey, you know, maybe my uh, Aunt B needs to be interviewed or whatever, because we are going to do stuff that's relatively away from politics. And I know this is kind of not that, but it's a little bit of a looking back because, like I said, as a journalist that has followed the development of a business that has gone from being illicit to necessary that has fascinated me and i just love that aspect of it and being able to talk to people that uh you know uh that have really been affected by it or are really advocating it because they've seen differences that have been made i you know i don't have a problem with it so shot of jd podcast at gmail.com uh at jason doyle is the twitter handle uh jason doyle broadcasted is the uh facebook page of course that's where you'll find links to the podcast and stuff like that there and uh and well you know i really 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 appreciate it and, and i'd love to hear from you you know and who knows i'm you know secretly here's one thing i would really love and i know i shouldn't want this but i'm jealous because i don't get it from I, I i get it from every time to time but i don't know i don't know other shows other podcasts other you know they get the hate mail 
And I, I don't know. I try not to make enemies. I try not. And I know there are people that don't like me out there. I get that. And it doesn't really bother me. But, you know, every once in a while, <laughs> it's fun just to listen to them. You know, it's just fun. Uh, and it's just that. So, anyway. Oh, sorry, folks. We run out of time. Shame. 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 So once again, uh, just love you for joining us here on the uh, Shot of JD podcast. Uh, it's my humble little uh, hobby project that I do. I'm not trying to make any money off of it. I'm not trying to do anything, but just spend a little time behind the microphone because I'm an old romantic about radio that way. So um, as you go out into the world, be nice to each other. Stay safe out there. Wear a mask. If you don't wear a mask, then, you know, don't harangue the people that do choose to do that. There's all kinds of different factors you may not know about back at home. So stay safe and happy anniversary, everybody. This is the Shot of JD podcast. I'm Jason Doyle. What you Doyle. just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. At no point in your rambling, incoherent response were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. I didn't make anybody stay here until 7 a.m. or 11 or whenever it is everybody finally left. I didn't make this kid pass out on my floor. People wanted to be here. That was their decision. Stay in school and don't let nobody bully you. Well, that about does it. Wraps are all up. A shot of JD.